Flamio, Hotman. Welcome to Villain and Micah discovering Avatar. <laughs> My name is Amanda Villain, and I'm a screenwriter, actor, director, and a fan of Avatar The Last Airbender. And my name's Todd Micah. I'm the author of Tales from Grimguard, an anthology of dark fantasy, and the Grimguard role-playing game. And I had never watched Avatar until now. I am so happy that you did that with the intro. <laughs> I'm telling you, this needs to be our thing. This has to be our thing for season three. Uh, because we have been writing through Avatar The Last Airbender. We have arrived at season three. Uh, our last episode, we tackled episodes one and two. And now we are at an unexpected pleasure, episode three, The Painted Lady. Now, you've heard me say this already as I watched the episode and I messaged you afterward, but, and we chatted a bit before the podcast, but I love this episode. Uh, I didn't expect to love this episode, but the more and more it went on, well, I'll tell you more when we get into it. <laughs> yes. Uh, the Painted Lady, it is written by Joshua Hamilton who I'm also checking to see what he has done before. He did The Chase and also The Cave of Two Lovers. Those are two of my favorite episodes, like top 20. Boy, this is this is this one's up somewhere. Like I don't know where this is going to fall, maybe in my top 5. I, I anywho, thank you Joshua Hamilton. <laughs> uh it is directed by Ethan Spaulding, a name that we know well from uh yeah. Yeah, yeah, from yeah. from season two. I thought for I thought for a second that he was the season one director, but not season two. Yeah. <laughs> and it is animated by Moy Animation, beautifully animated. Once again, compliments on the good, uh, the the big upgrade on the animation this season. The Painted Lady mm -hmm. episode aired on October fifth, two thousand and seven, and the IMDb rating of the Painted Lady is an insulting seven point nine out of ten. <laughs> What, why are the Avatar fans sleeping on this episode, Nismo? Would let me know why. Um, if I had to guess, because this is, I was shocked because, like, I know a lot of people that really like this episode, my sister included. This is one of her favorites. Um, but I had, to, if I had to guess, I think it's because this is a pretty heavy message episode with the environmental message, and it just. I, I have feelings about this episode and this used to be one of my favorites. This is one that my sister and I would watch all the time. And I used to just like adore this episode and I still adore parts of it, but now watching it as an adult, I'm like, Hmm. I yeah, think we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into a little <laughs> bit more, but first of all, before we throw down, let's get some fun facts. Okay. Um, this episode is similar to the Blue Spirit in that the main character adopts a mysterious identity to sneak out at night. Now, my shipper Zutara Hart loves this because the Blue Spirit and the Painted Lady together, like, yes, please. Oh, same, <laughs> same. Just, just robbing from the rich to give to the poor, like... Yes. And I... I've seen a bunch of very beautiful uh, Blue Spirit Painted Lady fan art um, done by the fans throughout the years that, like, I actually want framed because they look so good together. I'll have to send you some. Okay, so hold on. So are we saying that somewhere in season three is, like, the actual Blue Spirit from the spirit world going to show up and, like, be like, thank you to Zuko? <laughs> <laughs> Fish. Nah, unfortunately not. <laughs> 
But uh, so on to our second fun fact, Katara, well, this is this is very similar to the first, but Katara is the third character in the series to undergo another alias to achieve a goal. The first person was Zuko, who disguised himself as the Blue Spirit in the first season to capture Aang from Zhao. The second was Toph, who became the blind bandit to escape her smothering parents. So we're all about the aliases and the mysterious, you know, other personas, the Batman personas up in here. <laughs> Yeah, we got like the Justice League going on. We got the Avengers. It's just the it's the Painted Lady, the Blue Spirit, and the Blind Bandit. Yes. Oh man, what would Angs be like if he had to have an alias? For I mean, I guess his is the Avatar, but that's not really an alias. That's just who he is. It it would be that fake name that he came up with in in season one. <laughs> there. Name's Bonzu Pippin Pavlopsicopolis the third. Yes, that's him. <laughs> these are my grandkids yes <laughs> uh, <laughs> i hate that i know that i'm such a nerd <laughs> uh, but, so our um, our third fun fact is that sokka's master schedule is actually a production schedule that was used by animators to plan out the episodes in this season mm-hmm. i was gonna say it sure looked like something that he just lifted and put on because as i was trying to read it i'm like looks like a production schedule i've seen stuff like that before so i was like is it really yeah i just thought that was funny because i've i've worked on that before as well that have used um you know those kind of master schedule for productions mm-hmm. and I, I recognize those like oh that's a fun little fun fact um and our final fun fact is that the writers wanted to create this episode to show the war's negative impact extended even to the fire nation's own citizens and i think that that is an important part of the story. I guess we can just kind of get into it now since it's the final fun fact. But, um, you know, the environmental message aside, I think that that's really more of what people should take away from this episode. That, yeah, the Fire Nation has has wreaked havoc all over, you know, the world, but they're also wreaking havoc in their own, you know, turf, in their own homeland. So that is important to see that even the Fire Nation citizens are being, you know, oppressed and you know, just taken advantage of by the Fire Nation. So this is one of these things where, like, when you're a little kid, it hits you and you're like, oh, yeah, factories and pollution and, like, war effort stuff that that this wrecks the environment bad. And now as an adult, you kind of, like, side-eyed a little bit because it's not always that cut and dried. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it very well could be. Um, I... I never noticed the whole environmental message as a kid because I was just too focused on, oh, cool, Katara getting to be a cool, badass spirit lady. That's fun. <laughs> and like, I think that that is the best part of the episode. It's just, this is a Katara episode. Yeah. And I love Katara. And I can see why people that don't like Katara may not like this episode as much. But because um, as I've said before, she is kind of, in a way, a divisive figure amongst the Avatar fandom. Some love her like us, and then others find her to be very annoying and overbearing. And again, that's stupid. This like a character trait, <laughs> but whatever. I would go so far as to attempt a, attempt a bit of redemption on what is a very, you know, as you say, a very heavy-handed um, you know, environmental message. There are corporations and companies and facilities that that do do things like this that do carelessly and and very neglectfully dump hazardous chemicals and waste into the environment and you know and and the things that are done illegally you know too because 
know, there's lots of protective measures in place to prevent things like that, but you know, it's still done. Um, but like, again, it is very heavy handed in, in the episode that the like, oh, look, the factory is bad. And somewhere in my mind, I was like, well, when they destroyed the factory, I'm like, great. Now everyone in the next town is unemployed. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> now they got to help the people in the next town. Next episode is like, oh, look at the poor people in this town. Why does everybody have no food? And like, well, we have no money ever since our factory was destroyed. <laughs> Some spirit came in and wrecked it. <laughs> oh, no. Sokka has to come up with an alter ego to help them all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But, oh man! But but more importantly than it being um, uh, just—I will put it this way—just an an anti uh, you know pollution and environmental message that's in the episode is, I think that um, another positive message to the episode is that it is um, an anti-war. It's an anti-war message, really, at its root, because no matter where you are, war hurts you. Because if you're mm -hmm. on, you're, yes, you can be on the battlefield. That's an obvious thing we think of. You can be in, you can live in the country where war is taking place, as we have the very serious, still ongoing situation over there in the Ukraine. Um, mm -hmm. And of course, our thoughts and prayers out there. But, you know, also in times of war in the past, um, you know, when America has been at war at times in its history, you know, in the last century, the citizens suffered in different ways too there were shortages of everything there was rationing you know there were drafts and so you know the populace suffers in all kinds of ways when countries are at war it may not necessarily be some haphazard war factory dumping green goo into your lake and poisoning all your water mm -hmm. but you know it, it, it does hurt in a lot of ways and so i i when i first got that like oh no the bad evil factory i was kind of like really but then i kind of got over that really fast because like you said the main crux of the crux of the episode is katara and everything she's doing as uh as uh, the painted lady it's it's awesome <laughs> yeah so when you when you watch the episode did you even for a minute believe that it was not katara doing it like did you think oh is it actually a new character like a new spirit character being introduced or did you just kind of know right away that it was katara doing it the first night when something happened it was like really mysterious the next morning well first of all the next morning when everything was changed i actually didn't think that the the spirit had helped them i thought the spirit was just a throwaway of like fire nation lore uh -huh. i had entirely forgotten that the name of the episode was the painted lady and i was just like oh right. is that guy who like changes identities is he just pretending to be crazy is he a con man did he tell everyone in the town to pretend they were poor so that the co colonials would come in and give them all their money and buy stuff for no. them and pay pay you know buy buy stuff from them and then when no one's looking when they show up to the town unannounced everyone's fine and they're not starving i was like is that what's going on and then of course in a minute after that i found out it wasn't a like bait and switch con man episode it was a a spirit episode and i was like oh mm -hmm. so no i did buy right off the bat it was the second it was the second night 
when when she like shows up to the house where everyone's sick and everything mm-hmm. and i was like nah, she's gonna heal them i know what this is because when she was running <laughs> on the water i was like it's a water bender maybe it's like maybe it's not a spirit maybe it's somebody masquerading as the spirit just to help the people mm-hmm. and i after, by the time she got to the house and went and everyone was sick i was like oh yeah it's katara because she was all mad she couldn't help them so i figured it out really fast yeah yeah no i i love the idea of this of this town basically having the lore surrounding this river spirit known as the painted lady and that you know she comes through and she like heals the sick and gives them food and medicine and you know it's just it's a cool little bit of lore um for this town and i love the design i think it's great um and i love the way that Qatar kind of implements the design without you know making it look exactly like the statue that they have um but yeah it's just really cool to see like Qatar kind of take on this mythical being persona and when they like i think that the best scene is when they're trying to sell that persona to the fire nation uh army oh yeah because they come to the town yeah after ang and Qatar wreck shit <laughs> at the factory <laughs> Uh, soldiers come to the town because they think that the town did it and um and so you know ang Sokka, Toph, and katara they all have to kind of sell the idea of this mystical spirit in you know katara posing as this as the painted lady and i love that they they go all out they got the smoke they've got like the you know the creepy flute playing they got the footsteps that's just tough bang a boulder on the ground over and over again it's hilarious they got appa you know crying not crying out but you know uh roaring and so they do all these smoke and mirrors to make it really seem like yeah, you know the last time that fire nation soldiers were that freaked out by an earthbender lifting a boulder it was momo <laughs> A lemur, he's earthbending. He's earthbending. <laughs> like that and weighing fire. Those are the two funniest jokes in the series, and you cannot tell me otherwise. <laughs> this is my wife, Sapphire. Cabbage man. <laughs> <laughs> right, where's the cabbage man? We haven't seen him. <laughs> Where is he? He's stuck in the Earth Kingdom, probably. <laughs> he's gonna show up at the very end, like serving cabbages in to fire Lord Ozai when Aang comes bursting through a wall. <laughs> um but yeah, and I love the the whole scene with them trying to sell the the painted lady is that it kind of gives me horror movie vibes. Yes. Like especially especially when the fog parts and you can see Katara standing on the river just like perfectly still and then suddenly she shoots across that and scared it's... me for real. Like that jump scared me for I real. Got, oh. like, jump scared. Yeah, remember when yeah. remember, remember when, when there was the swamp episode and you were there trying to sell me that you're like, "Oh, but it's like a horror movie." And I'm like, right. "No." But it's so creepy and mysterious. I'm like, no. Yeah. This was what I needed. This was this is what I needed. I needed an actual horror show of like a spirit confronting soldiers. It was awesome. Yeah. It was. And having Aang under the dock so that he can blow her up when, you know, the Fire Nation soldier shoots the fire at her. Like it's so well choreographed and I love it. Um and uh the only thing that I'm like, okay. I, I buy it just because I've seen it like a million times, but I'm not necessarily happy about it is the townspeople when they realize that, you know, Katara is not the painted lady, that she's the colonial girl. Um, I also love that that's their undercover stories that they're from the fire, not the Fire Nation colonies, but the colonies in the Earth Kingdom. Yeah. Um, that just is a good way to kind of explain why they seem like outsiders. Right, <laughs> but, right, right. Uh, um, 
anyway so the the townspeople they kind of turn on her they're like you're not the painted lady you're a waterbender and then obviously Sokka has to come in and be like you know it doesn't matter because she just saved your whole ass like mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and uh because of her the fire nation soldiers have left and you know obviously Katar gets her little speech and about how she felt she had no choice and blah blah um and then they're all like oh okay you're right <laughs> it's like such a such a quick 180 turn well okay well hold um, on let, let, let me let me hop in on that so like okay. let, let's let's be honest though like they were experiencing more than anything they were just kind of outraged that it wasn't actually her that it was somebody impersonating her i mean if like if some like religious spiritual being from your religion appeared and you were like oh my gosh yes and you have this validation for your faith and belief and it just turns out like two days later three days later it's somebody with cool special effects you'd be like oh man are you kidding me you need to get out of here i'm gonna beat you up but when they were with they explained to you like okay i get you're upset but like come on now i did do a whole bunch of things that were like really good though they were like mm-hmm. yeah you know what you're right it's not like you like invalidated our religion she's still around but like y- you got us good please don't do that again <laughs> don't do that again <laughs> um yeah, I don't know. It just seemed like it was too quick of a wrap up. Like, you know, we could have had a little bit more convincing just from my from my point of view on the townspeople. Um, you know who they're better than, though? They sure are better than those darn Dirt Nation people who, as soon as they find out who Zuko is, they're like, I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> but, you're, but when you're in the Fire Nation, you show up, you impersonate a deity and you destroy a military factory and they're like you're cool anyway see i told you the fire nation's the best yeah no that, it's funny because that's literally what i thought of but like the opposite <laughs> like instead of you know fully hating her and like disowning her or whatever wanting her to leave they're like no you're cool it's all right you can help us clean our river i guess <laughs> it's like see, okay who would have known that's that the quick. fire nation had the coolest heads in all of avatar well it's just weird because like why even have that why not just have them be like oh cool you're a waterbender well you know you may not be the painted lady but you still helped us so cool you know what i mean (laughs) like it just seems like an unnecessary beat of drama and it is i'm sure just to like just so it doesn't wrap up all without any consequences like they would logically be a little upset at her for like tricking them but like like i said in the end you know but i can see where it would be like huh right i i Um, really love i really love um the episode overall because i think that it it does an amazing service to katara's character that she's that person that always wants to help because that's who she is it's who she's always been it's it strikes a really note uh interesting note of conflict and i feel like maybe this is i'm just guessing here maybe this would be another reason why people would be like eh, about this episode is because while they justify her um like fooling the townspeople she also though like holds up the entire mission to end the entire bloody war to like help some people in a village there have been a lot of times when we've been like but come on now you've got you've got the world to save and you're gonna like let the world burn for like a whole bunch of people that don't have enough fish like that's one thing that's like uh katara though really come on 
I mean, not to skip ahead to the next episode, but you could say the exact same thing for Sokka in the next episode. And I and I will. <laughs> yeah. So, it's like, you know what? Everybody needs a vacation. We're all just having our little side quest while we may wait to get to the main quest. <laughs> but you know what, though? Her, her couple of days delay of do-gooding, though, she did, like, blow up a Fire Nation metal factory. So, I mean, that's kind of big. That'll help. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And that, you know, I'm sure that slowed the pro- the progression of something, whether it's, you know, weapons or tanks or whatever. Whatever they're making in there, they don't really tell us. I mean, um, I mean hey, but... America in 2022, we know all about supply chain problems now, don't we? <laughs> God, tell me about it. Literally as i told you we are i I live in florida so we have a hurricane on the way hurricane ian and there's no water to be found anywhere so that's fine it's fine um but yeah so i don't know where i was going with supply chain problems (laughs) yes yes that um yeah imagine them being like we have no bottled water for you because some girl who can create tidal waves and a kid who can create tornadoes blew up the factory i don't know if our insurance covers that oh goodness um yeah no but i do love the scene where um ang finds out about guitar being the painted lady and he kind of catches her I love he's he's chasing her through the town. He's like, "Hey!" And he runs into a ball. <laughs> it reminds me so much of the opening title when he rams into the stack. Yes, <laughs> he's so crazy. I love it. Yeah, um, I love yeah, how he's like, "You look like, familiar." Yeah, as a matter of fact, you look really familiar. As he's like peeking under her hat. <laughs> And he's actually complimenting her. He's like, oh, you know, I've seen a lot of attractive, or I've seen a lot of spirits, but most of them not very attractive. You're very pretty for a spirit. It's like, Aang, you got some game now. I love how Aang has game when he is flirting with spirits from another dimension, but like put him in front of a regular girl from the water tribe. And he's like, um, uh. Well, I would say that his flirting was pretty good in the last episode with the dance. Like, dang. <laughs> but uh, anyway. It's the ang in dang. <laughs> right? Um, but uh, yeah, I love the little detail of when he's chasing her across the river. You know, she's basically skating across it, you know, all mysterious like. And he's creating little blocks of ice to hop across, like leapfrog. And it's just a fun little like difference in how they go about getting across the river. It's it's very cute. You know what it reminded um, me of? It remind. What do you remember? Do you remember the Looney Tunes cartoons? Do you remember Pepe Le Pew, the skunk, who was like yeah. always falling in love with the cat? It reminds me of those times where she's like trying to run away from him, and she's like in a speedboat, like taking off as fast as he can. But he's like bouncing on like little like heart shaped things on the water. He's like floating on like a bubble in the shape of a heart. It's just like egg is just like unstoppably. It's like, hey, pretty lady, come back. <laughs> right. Oh yes, love it. Um. Yeah, and I noticed as I was watching this episode, there is no B plot to this episode. Did you notice that? I did. It's one of the there's, things I like so much about this episode. There's no Zuko, Azula, Iroh, Ozai, none of that. Like, there's it's literally just this plot. Um, 
And another thing I noticed, and this is, I, we'll get into the hot takes now. This is why I feel that this episode is not as high as it was when I was younger in my mind. What? Because you, listen, listen, listen. <laughs> you could cut this entire episode and nothing would change in the season. This is so, this is such a one-off episode. It's kind of crazy. Because even things from the last episode, like, you know, the Fire Nation, um, just kind of seeing the Fire Nation for the first time as civilians and, you know, the stuff with Iroh and Zuko, like, there are things that you can, there are crumbs that you can follow through to other episodes. But this, it is so self-contained that it is like the definition of a filler episode. (laughs) But it's but it's one of those episodes though that's like a really good self-contained story though. Like, oh come on now, what what was the one? What was what was that episode again where um they hire they hire that the assassin who has the the beast that like can smell everything and it's following them. Yeah, the Bato of the Water Tribe. Yes, Bato of the Water Tribe. Like the whole episode is pretty self-contained. Like that doesn't really come back. Like there's a big one-off story arc in it. Like, come on now. Uh, oh, okay, all right then. I was like, oh, you might be surprised <laughs> how much that comes back actually in future episodes. <laughs> okay, but I still contend that this episode, though, it, while it's filler, it's not filler like the last episode was. Like it may not connect to the larger plot, but I would say that this is not filler. It's it, it's a it's a great story with the characters. It it plays up an essential part of the characters' uh, personality and makes a plot point out of it. And yeah, sure, like stuff from the previous uh, previous episodes may not really feed into it, nor does anything from this episode go forward, which would be rare in Avatar if that's the case. But you know better than I do. But like, I feel like the episode keeps moving really well too. Like, it doesn't have any stagnant parts of it. There's no part of it where you got your hands in your pockets. Like, um, what? Why are we? Why is this necessary? What are we doing? It moves pretty quickly through all the plot points. I I love it. I mean, again, it's not that I don't like the episode. It's just thinking about it, you know, in the grand scheme of things. Because I think that what makes Avatar so amazing is the fact that so many, like, I'd say damn near every episode ties into another episode or into the main story. Um, Even ones that, like Bato, the Water Tribe, that don't seem like they would, do. Apparently. Um, (laughs) Believe me, you'll be like, oh, wow. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, you're like, never would have thought that would have come back. Um, but uh, yeah, so I just, I don't know. And I think, okay, here's here's the other hot take. Um, aside from this being a filler episode, which it absolutely is, um, is that this is just a lesser version of the Imprisoned episode from season one. Okay. If you remember the Sell me on episode. This. Yeah, so, you know, she has to save Haru um from and all the earthbenders from the metal rig that they're stuck on remember mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that shows showcases her personality and that she's tenacious and she's caring and she always wants to do the right thing and help people and it, that's all that she does here as well like that's why she does it mm-hmm. so it just feels almost like repetitive we're like yeah we already got this episode and in my opinion it was done better in in prison than in this episode um 
it's you know obviously it's not a one for one comparison but yeah. the general vibe they're both katara centric episodes of her helping people that need help that are you know being um not necessarily in prison but they're being oppressed by the fire nation one way or another right. and she helps to save them so yeah in my opinion i think a prison did it better and that was season one <laughs> like see um, hard disagree i remember in prison and i remember liking in prison they had the cool like iron you the cool, the like, fire nation rig still the best location in all of avatar i want the final fight between ang and the fire lord to be there on the rig Oh my gosh. I want to be like I want to be like Waterworld. Um, You're so funny. But, but I, I I I I hard disagree. I think that the I think that the painted lady did it better. Hmm. But see, here's but but the thing that I like about it though is that it's not just a oh let's go help these people and let's motivate them to help themselves. This is a let's masquerade as somebody as, as a, a a symbol of of hope and everything to them in order to give them that hope it's almost kind of like a marriage of the imprisoned episode and the fortune teller episode in a way where they're not exactly helping them but they also do kind of help them though because i mean volcano um <laughs> So they, so I mean, they do come to the rescue of town of of towns and communities along the way, um, and I just feel like this is, to me, it doesn't feel like so much like it's a cookie cutter. Um, you know, we've already done this event prison so much as a oh, they're helping another town out, and this is a variation on how they're saving a town. Yeah, it may hit, may hit some similar story beats. I, I don't know. I think it's just the fact that this is so. I like the fact that it's Katara stepping out and doing something that's out of character for her mm-hmm. by doing something extremely in character for her. And that's the twist right. on it that I think that I like. Because now I'm trying to think what, why it is I like this episode so irrationally much. Because I really do. I have it really high rated. I like when a character is doing what we have them typified for doing you know it's it's their thing and you know like katara she wants to she wants to go help people but they want it so bad that they are willing to do something kind of like zuko with the blue spirit where they will go to a different sort of length will he go will will zuko go and chase down the avatar you know, will he fling his men into mortal peril because the only thing that matters is regaining his honor? Will he tell Uncle Iroh he thinks T is stupid for the fourth time in a row? Sure he will. Those are all Zuko things. But putting on a mask and becoming the blue spirit to, like, undermine the Fire Nation in order to get to his own personal goals? Now there's a twist and a cool one. And so giving that to Katara, probably the last person we would expect to have that sort of side to her, to undermine her own group in her own way in order to do something that gets herself further ahead, like, that's a cool dimension on a character that, to me... To me, it's something fresh and new because everything else about Katara, she pretty much plays beat for beat the way we always expect her to. We expect her to be the mothering role. We expect her to try to find the bright side on things. We expect all these things of her, but we don't expect her to go impersonate something from the spirit world just to, you know, let herself sleep better at night that she helps some people. Yeah, and I can see that. Um, I... (laughs) I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I'm just explaining why I like this no. so much. 
I just hate that I'm like being the wet blanket here. <laughs> no. I do like it, I promise. But it's <laughs> I'm curious though. So is there anything else that you wanted to uh to discuss about the episode before we talk about the ratings? Um, I mean, I feel like the ratings themselves are a discussion because this one for me, this is a nine point one out of ten for me. Oh, okay. So definitely on the uh, the higher end of your rankings. Oh, I love this episode. Um, I'm going to be honest. This is probably the biggest ranking divide we've ever had. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, at least it's one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably going to give this an 8 out of 10. Like, it, it's like a good B-tier episode, in my opinion. Um, I love, and I, I might have said this before, but this is my favorite look of Katara's. I've been talking a lot about favorite looks of the characters, and this is my favorite look of Katara. I love the painted lady outfit. It's actually on my cosplay to-do list one day. Um, but uh, yeah, I love it. Um, I love the kind of mysterious kind of horror vibe that we get towards the end of the episode. Um, I just, the, again, the townspeople just flipping on a dime like that is, I think, kind of lazy writing-wise. Um, I think they either needed more convincing or they just should have accepted from the beginning that, okay, you're a waterbender, cool. Um, and just the environmental message overall is so, like, blatantly hammered over the head. Like, it's not a bad message. It's just the way it's handled. I feel like it's very, kind of beat you over the head with it. It's, it's kind um, of ham-fisted. It really is. Yeah, which I don't, again, as a writer, I don't really appreciate that. I like when messages are subtle, which Avatar is brilliant at having subtle messages and usually multiple messages throughout episodes. Um, But this one is not one of the subtle ones. And (laughs) I think it just feels, honestly, it just feels like they wanted, they had this really cool idea, kind of like what you were saying about, oh, what if Katara had like an alter ego, kind of like the Blue Spirit, but she did it to help people. And they were like, okay, well, what if there's this like village and they're on the river and the river is like polluted. So they have this river spirit come and help them, but it actually turns out it's Katara disguising as this river. Like, it feels like that. Like they had this cool idea, but they didn't know how to quite make it work story-wise, but they're like, ah, I don't know. Let's just put them in a polluted river town. I don't know. (laughs) But uh, Maybe that's just me. Um, but again, I do love the idea of the painted lady. And I love that she actually was real, that we see her at the very end of the episode. Um, she comes to Katara and thanks her for doing her job for her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that killed me at the end. She was just like, oh, thank God. I can finally take a day off. Thank you. Right? Thank you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, overall, again, I think that if the writing had been a bit sharper in this episode um, and not so ham-fisted, I probably would have had it at a nine or above. But, and it was as a kid, it was like top tier to me as a kid. I think I was just crushing on Katara as the painted lady so hard, but. Um, <laughs> maybe, you know what? Maybe as- that's a whole like point out of my rating. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm just crushing on painted lady yes. Katara. Yes. Um, but as an adult now, I think that I would definitely put it at an eight out of 10. I don't think, though, for the record, that it's, like, our high, our biggest disparity. I almost want to say, I would almost go so far as to say that I think The Swamp might have been our biggest rating. Because I rated The Swamp pretty low, and you really liked it, other than The Swamp folks. You gave it a pretty decently high rating. Because we're differing by about a point. I think we differed by as maybe as much as a point and a half on that one. 
Hmm. Well, I'm interested to see what you think of this next episode because I actually have a lot of really good things to say about it. (laughs) Well, you'll be relieved to know that so do I. That takes us to episode four of season three, Sokka's Master. Uh, It is written by Tim Hedrick, a name that we we know well by now. Uh, It is directed by my boy, Giancarlo Volpe. Animated. It's a boy. It's a boy. <laughs> uh, it's animated by Jam Animation. The episode aired on October 12, 2007, and the IMDb rating of Sokka's Master is a respectable 8.8 out of 10. Mm-hmm. That is a giant. That is almost a full point from the last. <laughs> Wait, no, not, not a full point. Yeah, it's 0. 0.9. It's yeah. 0. 0.9, almost a full point. It's, it goes from 7.9 to 8.8. It's almost a full point. You're right. Yeah. So much That's hate crazy. on the last episode. Oh, my goodness. I know. <laughs> I say as I gave it an 8 out of 10. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so for fun facts for this episode, um, the waterfall that P and Dao has Sokka paint is heavily based on the Goldfoss waterfall in Iceland, which is famed for its rainbows. Prior to the beginning of the final season, the show's creators traveled around Iceland, gathering inspiration for what the Fire Nation landscape would resemble. And that's why the Fire Nation is so freaking gorgeous, because it's Iceland, basically. I also love on that note, when they're like, it's famed for its rainbows. I love that he has him. Yeah, he says he added a rainbow. And I'm like, well, of course, duh. He's been to Iceland. <laughs> I love that song. I like, is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> yes, honey, it's okay. Um, I thought you might find this interesting. Robert Patrick, P. and Dow's voice actor, played the T-1000 in, Terminar- in Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Yes, I recognize his voice. <laughs> I recognize his voice, but I couldn't figure out who it was. I was like, I know this voice. And it wasn't until I like looked it up, I was like, oh that makes sense now i can't unhear it <laughs> like <laughs> which is really which is funny because like i have never i know like i'm a film heretic for this but i have not seen any of the terminator movies <laughs> <laughs> but um it's heresy but uh i know him from spy kids <laughs> Well, the funny thing is that while while he played the T thousand T one thousand in Terminator two, <laughs> I know his voice, but not from Terminator two. I know him from everything oh, I else him. he's been in. It's just funny that like of all the things we need to recognize him pop culture wise, like yeah, he's the other Terminator from Terminator right. two. Now we know the face. <laughs> Um, and our final fun fact is that when Toph is playing with the meteorite rock at the end of the episode, one of the shapes she forms is a splat. This is a reference to the Nickelodeon logo at the time of the episode's airing. The famous Nickelodeon splat. <laughs> I did recognize that when I saw it. I saw her doing it. I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I saw that like, of course, Easter egg. <laughs> right? um, so to dive into this episode, um, as I mentioned, I really, really do love this. Uh, these two episodes um back to back of the painted lady and Sokka's master really have me super hyped for season three now we 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 ran into a little bit of a weak spot kind of early on you know the headband episode was a little bit meandering and and you you said you know we have better episodes ahead boy you didn't tell me that there'd be such high quality episodes immediately because I love a good Sokka episode almost as much as I love 
Katara going off and impersonating a deity. Um, it's just great. It's just great to see Sokka out on his own because I feel like it's been a long time since we've had an episode like this. Like a long time. Like maybe a whole season. It's been a minute since Sokka's really gotten to shine because I think I think kind of one of the defining Sokka episodes is Jet. Mm-hmm. Jet is kind of the first big Sokka-centric episode, I feel like. And I mean, it's one of our favorites of the show. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, and this this truly is a Sokka-centric episode. I mean, obviously it's titular character, but um, so yeah, I I really enjoy this episode. Um, I think that it's really cool that they kind of take this concept of you know, Aang and Katara and Sokka, or not Sokka, sorry, Toph, all having masters, you know, in their respective bending elements, and that that is what Sokka needs to feel like he's part of the team and, like, contribute something is that he has to learn a skill set or, you know, multiple from a master. And so they end up going to Master Pian Dao, who is a... I He is a non-bender, but he is a Fire Nation citizen, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, he is like a the most talented sword maker slash master, um, master of arms that the Fire Nation has ever seen, at least up until this point. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so he just goes and he, you know, begs to train with this master. And I love how humble, again, oh, another big Sokka is uh, the Warriors of Kyoshi, where it's very similar. He goes and he has to like humbly, okay, you so- know, ask. Yes, it's and the humility is a is a big theme with Sokka that you know he talks a big talk, but when it comes down to his serious times when he used to train, you know, all the way back to the beginning of season one, he's always taken his responsibility as being you know in his mind the leader of the group that he is you know the the plan he's the plan guy the idea guy as I think they referred to him in one episode, you know he's the navigator as they say he he has a great skill of looking at a map um you know he he has skills where everyone else has powers he has skills you know he has mm-hmm. really real good practical practical skills for things um he is street smarts he doesn't have like book smarts he is street smarts he is very tactical and he has a bunch of different skills that are very useful in the real world when they're out traveling mm-hmm. and you know i was bringing this up um that you know the the episodes that you're pointing out about whether it's um the warriors of kiyoshi or jet or even like those are all season one episodes and i gotta tell you the last time we had a true like Sokka, i don't want to say Sokka center because he certainly was not in the center of the episode but it really was like a big part of the story was his arc was uh siege of the north mm-hmm. and so <clears throat> my quip about it being a whole season since we've had a Sokka episode actually I think it's pretty much right I don't think Sokka has been mostly side side character for all of season two well actually okay now I'm thinking back because I don't want to like do my boy dirty I would consider the library a Sokka centric episode like in a kind of weird way because like if you think about it the trip the trip to the library was his idea. That was his vacation that he wanted to take. He's the one that found out about the solar eclipse um, that would leave the Fire Nation defenseless. He's the one that collects the the evidence and all that. And he's the one that ends up taking out Wang Shitong. So know, I'm just you saying. Are right. like... You are right. When they, when they gave him the one episode they gave him 
And of course, it would be my favorite episode of both season two right. and the series so far, it being a 10 out of 10 for me. Like, of course, it would be the one Sokka episode in your favorite season of Avatar. <laughs> yep, that is a great one. But the the theme here being that Sokka-centric episodes tend to be awesome because he's the best. <laughs> he's amazing. I also love, by the way, um, that... <laughs> before he goes to his master they have like i know it'll cheer you up and i'm like i've never felt anything so hard i've never felt anything so hard like relatable to myself as why don't we go shopping yes <laughs> anyone knows they want to cheer me up yeah same and I love, like, as they're shopping, he's, like, trying out all these different weapons and none of them are quite working for him. <laughs> and, of course, he comes across, um, you know, this amazing sword and that's how he hears about Master P and Dao. Um, Real quick, the shopping and... montage of him being so choosy with his weapons also reminded me of how in the, one of the previous episodes, I think it was the headband, when they raid the clotheslines looking for Fire Nation yes. stuff, everyone just grabs the first thing and he's like, mm, 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 like, he's browsing. He's like, Yes. Oh man, we love Sokka. A materialistic boy. I I fell out of my chair laughing when Aang was there in his like giant tricked out battle armor with the giant like clawed gauntlet on one side. And he's like, I just need an yeah. air sword. A wind sword. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so funny. And then he falls over because it's so heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, having run role-playing games, that's like when people get maxed out gear at the end and they're just like carrying so much stuff they can barely move. <laughs> yep. Um, and I love when Sokka is finally, you know, accepted by Master Pian Dao to start training him, that he has them do a... He, or Pian Dao has him do a bunch of things that don't seem... It, it kind of reminds me of Boomy in a way of how, you know, he has him do all these things like calligraphy and rock gardening and, you know, landscape painting. And you're like, what does this have to do with sword fighting again? But the way he explains it, it actually makes it make a lot of sense. You know, with calligraphy, you have to stamp your name on the battlefield, just like you do. You cannot take back the brush of a, or the stroke of a brush, like, like the stroke of a sword. For mm -hmm. landscape painting, you have to take in the landscape very quickly in order to fight. Um, you know, rock gardening, using the terrain to your advantage, like these things you don't really think about. You're like, yeah, that's actually really cool. I wouldn't have thought about it like that. Um, and the way that Sokka does each of the tasks in his own special, I feel this. I 100% I believe that Sokka is autistic um, because we're just too similar. <laughs> and I have <laughs> So like, I would have probably, you know, if I were given these tasks, I wouldn't have done them the normal way, the way that anyone's expecting. Because I've done stuff like this before when I was being tested for my autism. Um, you know, I was asked, hey, here's a bunch of items, build something, anything. And I ended up building a little boat out of these things. And they're like, I've never seen anyone make that before. And I was like, really? It's like the first thing that came to my head. And they're like, yeah, that just shows like you think differently than most people. Right. Um, so I really vibe with this episode and Sokka doing things outside the box and creatively and, 
you know, he's just, oh, he means so much to me as a character. <laughs> he has, he has some of those great neurodivergent gifts. He really does. And he picks up things so fast. Like he's actually, you know, you see him as he's, you know, cause he's having these sort of practice sparring uh, sessions with the butler and you see at first he sucks at it because of course he does. He doesn't know what he's doing. But we get little snippets of this of this sparring session as the days go on. And you start to see he gets better with every single time we see him. And then by the end, he's full on having a sword fight with Master Piandao, the best sword fighter in the world. And he's like, not necessarily winning, but at least he's holding his own. And you're like, yeah, he's using all those things that he's learned over the past couple of days and he's applying them. And I'm just like, yes, King, I love to see it. Oh, it's so well, good. Well, you know, one of the things that's so good about the training, and here's the thing, the episode is an amazing, just like, it's almost like, um, it, which episode was it now? The Guru, where he's being walked through the meditation and and right. it's talking about each of the chakras it's educating us and yeah sure like the episode isn't quite that deep it's not like showing us how to be a swordsman or anything but it is right. though a long montage of a character being enriched not just with practice and training and something that they're after but they're also learning and they're exploring something that's brand new for them they're opening up new mental pathways and I have a deep appreciation for that, you know, as I've mentioned a couple times during the podcast here, which I still get a good, big kick out of it that like you didn't know it about me at all until we started doing this, that I trained in martial arts. I know. But it, part of the big enrichment in martial arts is it's not just a discipline of the, bo the body, it is a discipline of the mind. And when you say that to people, it's very easy for people to just go, oh, yeah, of course, because you have to, like, learn how to do the martial arts like anything. It's like meant that part of the task is mental. No, that's not what I mean. I mean it like in this episode. When you get into it, you can either just learn how to move your body a certain way, and you can go to a dojo and you can learn it. You can say yes, sensei, and learn just how to fight and nothing else. Or you can get mm -hmm. into the philosophy and the mechanics that go into it and how it was created and let it move your mind and not just your body. And you're not just learning philosophies and you're not just learning cultural trivia about the origin of the martial art. It's challenging your mind while you're challenging your body. It's here, here's art, here, test your memory, here, sign your name, let's learn calligraphy. It's things like that, that here it's used on the student in a more of a, a regimented way. You know, I didn't have a teacher for most of my martial arts. But the thing is, he's taking him through a regiment that expands his mind so that his mind is open to learning new things and that it, it, it opens up those pathways mentally that get you curious. If, if he's going to learn sword, sword arts and learn combat, he's going to learn it more when his learning pathways are also being stimulated by learning art and by, you know, or things like maybe, I'm not saying this in the episode, but just in general, things like, like reading or meditation, you know, you want a variety of things in there so that you're staying curious and your mind is staying fed and your mind's appetite isn't going stale on just training one thing all the time. It's an amazing learning tool. Mm -hmm. so i have a real yeah. deep appreciation of that yeah it's a uh, kind of hit the nail right on the head there and uh i 
this is one of the coolest things ever. <laughs> but um, we didn't even talk about the beginning of the episode, of course, because we just skipped right into the meat of it. We but... always do. <laughs> I know. Um, but in the beginning of the episode, it opens with the gang watching this meteorite shower. And it one of the meteorites ends up actually crashing and causing a fire, which they have to go then put out, which is a really cool little action scene. I really like it. Very fluid animation. Um, but, uh, you know, Sokka's feeling like totally useless because what is he going to do in that situation? Watch Momo. <laughs> uh, but uh, why, why am I yeah, the lemur right. sitter? <laughs> right. Um, but uh, because that meteorite ended up landing there and they were able to stop the fire, it's just kind of sitting there. And Sokka, when he's told by Piandao that he's ready to make his own sword, you know, because Sokka's like, oh, are you going to give me one of yours? And he's like, no, you're going to make your own. And Sokka's like, hey, would it be cool if I come back with a special material? And he's like, yeah, go for it. And he brings the meteorite with the help of the gang. And he ends up making what he coins a space sword like you're gonna hear that be called the space sword it <laughs> is so cool i had i had forgotten uh, i had jettisoned entirely that happened so i was just like <gasps> the space sword yeah it is such a cool design i love the black sleek seal from the meteorite and just the the really cool handle and the way that Sokka uses it throughout the, his fight with Piendao, like it's it's such a cool weapon, and it kind of, in a way, not replaces, but it it kind of takes the place of his boomerang, which used to be his you know signature weapon, but now his signature weapon is the space sword, and it's just awesome. <laughs> well, then, and it's he has, then the fact he has sort of like an Iron Man like montage of him making mm -hmm. the sword, you know, like Tony Stark building the suit in the cave. Sokka built the sword in a cave with a box of space scraps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's very cool. And to see it also kind of just making me think of all different kinds because there's so many scenes in movies and TV shows where swords are being made and forged. And it made me think of Return of the King. It has been remade. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you've got all that going on. And um, the kind of B-plot is Iroh. And we only get a couple quick glances of, but he has become shredded at this point. Yeah, yeah, he no. He's a <laughs> Yeah, he's, uh, he's really, really working hard. But, you know, while the, the, the massive gains of the man there, while, <laughs> while, they, while they are super impressive, What's more impressive about it is, once again, Iros being so clever. Because as soon as they bring his food in, he's scrabbling on the floor, drooling like a madman. He's eating on the floor like an animal. And makes them all think he's just nuts. And when they're, when they're not looking is when he's training. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, like, having to hide that he's, like, stuffing his blanket under his shirt to make him look bigger than he actually is, like, fatter. And the clapping when he's, like, doing the push-ups. <laughs> it's all very clever. Like, it just shows how smart he is. Um, and that he's playing the long game. Like, he he knows he's getting out. And he's just fooling everybody around him. And when he gets um, out, he's gonna beat Zuko's. <laughs> he gonna beat Zuko's ass. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, honestly, <laughs> you deserve it. <laughs> um, <yeah>. Come here, boy. That's <laughs> yeah. all I'm envisioning oh, is just him getting out. The first thing he does is just like. Pim slap Zuko. <laughs> yes. Sell me out. <laughs> How dare you, boy. <laughs> but uh, that would be hilarious. Zuko would deserve it 100%. (laughs) And then the episode ends, and this, I'm telling you, these little things, they they come together. The Pai Show tile. Mm -hmm. They end the episode with Master P and Dao giving um, Sokka a Pai Show tile for the Order of the White Lotus. Mm -hmm. What could that mean? That some kind of secret organization with a bunch of characters that we maybe know about maybe it means that nick fury is going to show up with the white lotus initiative and gather everybody (laughs) and apparently apparently uncle iroh is the incredible hulk (laughs) yes um so yeah i mean that's that's pretty much was there anything else that you wanted to uh to mention or talk about no i mean overall the episode is just honestly fantastic um again it keeps a real straight line even though unlike the previous episode this one does have the you know as you say the b plot with uh with iroh um you know it, other than that it is very very streamlined it shows everybody missing Sokka and uh how oh yeah we didn't even talk about that and how much he contributes <laughs> to the group it's so funny there is so much Taka shipping fodder in this episode. It's oh, kind of ridiculous. No. I told you, this is like one of the biggest ships in the entire show. Like Sokka and Toph together. Mm-hmm. She misses him. I don't know how she doesn't tell and him. She blushes. Or she, she blushes. <laughs> yeah, it's so cute. I love it. Yeah. That's... And he seems totally oblivious to it. And Katara <laughs> trying to make jokes. and <laughs> Jokes apparently don't run in the family. <laughs> If you miss him so much, why don't you marry him? Yeah. <laughs> and and, and uh, the fans took that seriously. <laughs> they took that personally. Yeah, and I took that personally, yes. Jake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it does show just how important, like, you know, obviously there are funny jokes and shipping fodder in those scenes, but it really does show just how important Sokka bring or like how much importance he brings to the dynamic of the gang. And like how, yeah, he is the the master planner and he's the one that keeps them on schedule and doing what they need to do and, you know, going where they need to go. And it, it really does, it affects them when he's not there. Like they just don't know what to do and like yeah. they get so bored and yeah. So I, I love that it doesn't, they didn't have to show that. They really didn't. They could have just showed, you know, I was going to say Zuko, Sokka training with the end out and Iroh in prison. Like, you can just show Zuko. <laughs> I mean, you could. You could. I'm, I'm not going to say you no. See, Zuko, see Zuko but, uh, training. We'll see him doing his ab crunches upside down and doing his, his push ups right. and claps. I heard that General Iroh. Uncle Iroh. I saw him take his shirt off in his cell. The Uncle Iroh was shredded. The Uncle Iroh had an eight pack. <laughs> Love it. Um, so yeah, overall, what would you give this episode? Oh gosh. Um, this episode is honestly a solid 9.1. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's so good. I mean, it, it takes, it takes him through, you know, the vindication of feeling like he, he is superfluous to the group, 
to seeing just how essential he is. But then it also takes him through this awesome, you know, training montage that culminates with a killer sword fight. And even then, it's not like a haha, I beat you kind of thing. There's like him, you know, opening up about everything before the fight about who he is. And it culminates with him, you know, feeling accepted and moving on. Like the emotional satisfaction is just as good as the action. Mm-hmm. Yep, 9.1. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go just a hair below you. I'm going to go nine out of 10. I love Sokka so much. As I've said from the very beginning, he's my second favorite character, just barely behind Zuko. Like they're pretty much neck and neck. Um, and I just love his episodes that are, you know, centered around him. And I really love seeing, you know, non, I've, I've always loved the non-bending characters. Um, and Sokka is the non-bending character. So I love seeing him kind of, you know, find his own thing that he can master and, you know, become great at and get his own master to teach him to become great. And I just, I really like it. I love Pian Dao as a teacher, um, how he's very different from the other teachers that we've seen, um, how accepting and open he is and how he knew from the very beginning that Sokka was lying about, you know, being a Fire Nation colony uh, person. And so, you know, it's just, it's a really good episode. Um, and it actually does tie in, as I said, with the, the Pai Show tile into later episodes. So right. definitely uh, keep an eye out on that. <laughs> <laughs> as apparently we need to watch out for everything on because it was just dawned on me that this is season three and we only have what, 16 more episodes to see all these things tie into before the show's over. Well, not even because this I'm telling you the second half of this se- of this season is like ridiculous because in the best way mm-hmm. <laughs> because we have the Day of Black Sun part 1 and part 2, which is the invasion. We have the Boiling Rock part 1 and 2. We have and then we have the four part finale. So, we've got like three multi-part arcs <laughs> and it's so they're so good i'm here for it i'm here for it like i said i i was i was kind of like "Hmm, i wonder what episode would uh three and four is gonna have after the headband and i am just pleasantly shocked just just super happy (laughs) with these two episodes like i am loving season three overall so far I, i mean I, I was thinking to myself after watching these two going, Amanda always says that season two is her favorite. I'm wondering if season three might end up being mine. <laughs> so far, you think that might be the case. It might be. I'm a huge Fire Nation stan. You know that I am. So, mm-hmm. well, I, I believe it. I guess we'll, I guess we'll see. So in the meantime, everybody stay flaming. That's all for today. To all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode, so feel free to leave a review or comment, follow the podcast, give us a good rating, and all that good stuff. You can find us on Twitter at Millwood and Micah, and please follow our Instagram at Millwood and Micah Podcast. Thanks again, and we'll be back in the next episode.